I'm building a recording studio uh, of, of my very own uh, where I'll be able to record and uh, rehearse and produce all of all of my music myself, but also for other people, too, because um, that's one thing that I've always enjoyed in addition to making my own music is uh, is helping people produce produce theirs. Because when I was starting out working on these demos, I would have loved to have somebody who knew what to do helping me out. I want to be able to be that for other people, too, or, or for other bands that have all this material that they're sitting on that they just can't take to the next level because they don't know the right person or they don't have the money. Hello and welcome again to the No Name NYC podcast. My name is Eric Vetter, and if you're listening to this on the day it drops, Happy New Year to you. This is dropping on New Year's Day 2023. Uh, so, uh, and if you're listening to another time, well, you know, thanks for listening whenever you listen. Uh, today, the voice you heard up front was that of Miles Bluespoos, longtime friend of No Name, wonderfully talented musician, uh, with us, with the Summer Replacements House Band, and with, uh, providing music for our shows at Word Up Bookshop in Washington Heights. Miles played everything from sax to guitar to bass to drums uh i'm sure i'm forgetting a few things but uh point being he's a very talented guy and he's also the the front man for a band cleverly named blue spruce uh they actually have an ep coming out early in 2023 called the time ep it's songs about time uh there'll be a video accompanying the release of that and uh, also early in 2023, we anticipate the opening of Blue Spruce Audio Studios, uh, ready to cater to all your recording needs. Uh, and if the man has any indication, the studio itself will be quite a fantastic place to record. Uh, keep your eyes open for that. So, um, beginning a new year, we've been doing episodes since July of 2022. We thought maybe it was time to introduce y'all to the people who actually make this happen. So we're going to do that today. Um, first off, uh, the man, you know, the, the grand poobah, the man behind everything, our producer and, uh, also chief audio engineer, uh, the wonderful Gary Hardcastle, Gary Hardcastle. Say hello to everybody. Hello, everybody. Oh man, and and oh wait, I'm sorry. Okay, I wanted to leave a little pause there uh, while everybody said hi, Gary. Um, so uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, man. Well, um, I moved to New York City about three years ago from uh, the Grand Midwest, and uh, and I do some stand up. I'm looking forward to get back on stage as New York stages come back. And uh, what else do you want to know? <laughs> Well, I think that's enough. I'm sorry. I'm laughing because uh, we're, we're sitting here and a cat has just invaded our uh, our company. So I don't know if if, if this is a a chatty cat or 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 if uh, it's just one who's demanding affection. But uh, so so if you hear any meowing, it's it's not our our crew. Um, <laughs> so so Gary, yeah, I, no, I I I I. Keep me posted on if you're doing stand-up anywhere, and, and certainly feel free to come uh, to one of our shows at Word Up. We're actually returning to Word Up Bookshop on February 7th, and all of our shows there include some room for uh, 
for open stage for people to come in and sign up after the scheduled acts have done their thing. So hope to see you there, man. I, I do have one other question. Oh, yeah, yeah, what? When do I get paid? So moving along, uh, Miles Blues Booth. Uh This is a little kind of funny because Miles is actually our guest today. Um, but he is also uh, one of our sound engineers. Uh, so, Miles, say hello to everybody before everyone says hello to you in the conversation. Meow. Oh, okay. I knew that was going to happen. I really didn't expect it from the crew. But uh, that is your cat, right? You do know this cat. It looks familiar. Uh, if I if I had to say it was my cat, I would happily accept it as my cat. <laughs> okay, that's... I, I didn't really need to know all that. Um... <laughs> It's a very sweet cat. Hopefully it's yours and, and hopefully you'll feed it so it continues to live. Um, but so, Miles, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, man. Well, we're in uh, we're in my living room right now. Just set up the Christmas tree. Oh, no, whoops. No, we're in the studio, the home studio. Sorry, yes, we're in, we're in the home studio. Um, just uh, uh, work hey. with it, man. Work with it. We're trying to act professional here. We're in the home studio. don't st- want to be embarrassed in front of the cat. We're in the home studio here, and uh, just just hang out, recording, having a good time. Indeed we are. Thanks for helping to make it so much fun, man. Oh, uh, one, one question before, before we move on to the next uh, oh, yeah, person. Yeah. Um, uh, when do I get paid? So uh, next meet one of our production assistants, actually. He is our production assistant. Um, yes, we're, we're that big budget, uh, that, that we got a production assistant. He's been a friend of No Names for a long time, too. Say hello to Stanley Resio. Stanley Resio, say hi to everybody. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Oh, man, that was nicely done. Have, have you been on stage before? I have, actually. Uh, thanks to you, Eric. Uh, ec- expert segue. Um, yeah, I've been going to No Name, uh, since I was 12. He's helped me out. Eric, uh, has... Help me nurture my storytelling abilities, and uh, I had nothing to do with that. you had nothing to do I with no that. Evidence. I don't. I don't know about that. <laughs> I, I think. I think I got, I got about four years of evidence, All right. yeah, <laughs> and some witnesses, witnesses and, and some what? Yeah, careful, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. Well, you know, I'm always make sure adults are present. Um, because I know I don't count for that. But uh, uh, what are you working on now? Anything? Uh, right now working on, I'm working on a couple of scripts. Uh, I'm an, I'm an aspiring writer and director. So I have a couple of things in the works, writing, writing some jokes and, you know, uh, eventually I will come back to you with details on if I'm going to be performing or not. Oh man, that's, that's great. Thanks a lot, Stanley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, also, uh, (laughs) when am I getting paid? And lastly, we would like you to meet... Uh, now, this is kind of a unique situation. Um, I, I, most productions, uh, you know, whether they be films or radio broadcasts, or whatever, you usually got a production assistant. Here we have a production assistant assistant. That's right, the PAA. Uh, he answers directly to Stanley. Uh, say hello to Jeremy Pueyo. Hello, Jeremy. How are you, man? Can I get paid? And so you've met everybody. <laughs> Um, and, 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 uh, really we couldn't do it without all these guys and, uh, and, you know, just, I'm very thankful for all the contributions that they make and, uh, you, you couldn't ask for a better crew of folks to do shows with. So let's actually get to the show coming up. 
a conversation <laughs> with one of the the folks you just met. You actually get to meet him like an actual artist, which he actually is. Uh, Miles Blues Boots. We'll get to that in just a second after this word from our sponsor. You know the drill. Get away to Green Bay. Escape to Green Bay. That's right, the historic Astor House Bed and Breakfast in beautiful Green Bay, Wisconsin. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to a bed and breakfast before, but the breakfast at a lot of these places tends to be like a mini box of cereal or uh, some questionable fruit, things of that nature, a piece of toast maybe with some butter. But not at the historic Astor House Bed and Breakfast. Your innkeeper, Tom and Linda Steber, will provide you with a delicious, absolutely world-class breakfast every single morning. They will also make you feel welcome in any one of their five luxury accommodations, all of which have a private bath and some of which have their own jacuzzi. If you want to know what's going on around town, Tom and Linda will let you know about any special events, and they'll also make recommendations for you to any of the wonderful restaurants in town. So you can't beat it. Go. Go now. Go. Get away to Green Bay. For more information or for reservations, go to www.astorhouse.com. That's A-S-T-O-R-H-O-U-S-E.com. Get away to Green Bay. You don't have any bacon, do you? No, now I want bacon, though. Damn it! <laughs> All right, so let's rush through this and hit the diner. <laughs> so, dude, have I even seen you during pandemic? Uh, we met up one time outdoors early on during the right, pandemic. Right, right. Yeah, okay, well, it's good to see how you've been making out through everything. Oh, uh, surprisingly well. Um, I was able to keep my job through through the pandemic remote. That uh, is awesome. Yeah, it was it was good for for me and uh, Sasha both. And uh, now now we're back full time in the office, and you know we're we're still there. Uh, oh man, can so... I borrow five bucks? <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll have to wrangle it away from my studio. That's that's where all the money's been going. Uh, ah, all right, <laughs> building all right. building the recording studio. So, so I, yeah, I was gonna say I, I know it can't be open because I, I I'd like to think I wouldn't just shut it off to the home studio because I wasn't worthy of the real studio. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, we got, we, we, we'll get to that, because I, I want to know what's going on with that. But yeah. um, you, um, <laughs> and certainly uh, during earlier portions of pandemic, when really mo- most everybody was still indoors and, you know, in their apartments and stuff, and you were doing, like, some amazing shit. You like, did, didn't you release a cut that had, like, a 32-piece orchestra or something? I did, yes, uh, and it was all done virtually, right? It was all done virtually, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, I uh, Miles waits until we had pandemic to work with a thirty-two piece orchestra. <laughs> well, that 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 was the thing is it wasn't actually uh, thirty-two distinct people, so I uh, it was it was just a, a small handful of people. I don't know how how technically we want to get so early in, into it, but it was uh, <laughs> go for it, man. It was uh, I, we're I, editing this all out anyway. <laughs> I had the idea for uh, to have like a proper orchestra as as accompaniment, a, a nice lush accompaniment to this uh, to this song. Uh, the song is called Prequel, 
Mm -hmm. um, and it's on the Disappear EP. Prequel is one of the B-sides to the to the Disappear single, and even though it's a B-side, I don't care. I'm going to put as much effort into it as, as I can because I, I can never just lay off and do something simply. <laughs> um, so I, I know a couple violinists, I know a viola player, and I know a cellist, and uh, I was like, okay, how can I make four people sound like 32? <laughs> um, what I did was I wrote... Uh, so not only did I write out uh, string accompaniments, uh, you know, writing out music notation because they all they all read music, uh, so that they would be able to play the the parts as I kind of intended them to. Um, I also wrote out prompts for characters, as if uh, as if there were actually thirty two people in this mm -hmm. in 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 an orchestra together. And like this is this is Susie. She's uh, she's fifty two. She has a couple kids. You know she she's. So you gave every every part a backstory. Yeah, I gave every part ah. a backstory to help, and and I didn't give them any direction beyond that. Like, what is what does Susie being fifty two and having two kids mean to how she plays uh, the the cello? I leave that up to to you guys. So I I, I let the musicians kind of serve as as actors, but interpreting the script however they kind of wanted to. Oh, so, man. So were... I gave him a bunch of I gave him a bunch of scripts, told him to just, hey, okay, record uh, this part four times, record this part four times, you know, pick whichever character you want to, name the <laughs> recording after that character, and then just send it to me. And from there I'll see if it actually sounds like, you know, 32 distinct people playing their parts. And I like to think that it actually did work pretty well. Um, and, uh, if you listen to the string parts, just the strings by themselves throughout, it's like, you know, there are, there are those sort of like little differences between each of the, each of the parts. Maybe I'm just thinking that because <laughs> I put tons of hours of work into making that happen to believe that it was a successful experiment for myself. But I, I like to think that it, you know, everybody just recorded this stuff at their, at their own apartments. I wrote out the parts, I wrote out the prompts, sent it to them with like a, you know, a instructions mm -hmm. and uh they actually entertained me enough to to, to do it and uh and then it had a, a a wonderful result so that was the that was the farthest i've gone with something as elaborate as that man that is that is that is awesome you are so fucking weird <laughs> in a good way in a good way that, that, that is why i love working with you when we can um and let me ask you this because somebody else told me uh is this the song for which there is an animated video, or is that a different song? So, uh, Prequel doesn't have uh, an animated music video, but Disappear, uh, which is which is the single that, that it appears on, does have an animated music video. And we actually, we have two animated music videos that are on YouTube right now, and there's a third one which I've started working on. Um, and, uh, you know, most people's pandemic projects were things like, oh, let me learn how to bake sourdough bread or, you know, what, what, what have you. And mine was, uh, let me learn how to animate. Well, what happened was I had a whole plan to film a music video for, for the song, uh, a song for you. Mm -hmm. Um, and we had a whole plan. We had, a, we had a date picked out and everything. And then the pandemic hit and I'm like, great. So this isn't going to happen. Um, <laughs> what can I do as an alternative? I'm like, well, like, uh, you know, maybe an animated music video. I don't know how to animate, but I know how to draw. And technically animation is just you draw and then you make it move. So um, yeah. Especially I, with all the tools they have nowadays, yeah. too. You know, oh, like, yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Adobe Premiere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that no, that that's that's amazing. You know, a lot a lot of people, you know, stuck in their apartments during pandemic and said, "Oh, this a time to have sex. That's good." Um, <laughs> But you were drawing, and I, I, I yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what? I, I, on the serious tip, I, I, you know, I, I love that you did this because, you know, when pandemic first hit, I don't know about you, all, all my artistic friends, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. everybody says, oh, well, you know what? You try and put the positive spin, right? Said, yeah. well, you know, uh, now is the time I can focus on my writing, or now is the time I can work on, yeah. you know, whatever my painting, and. Most people I know about a weekend were like, I'm fucking tired of working on my writing, you know, <laughs> and they really gave in. So I like I, I do have a, a couple of friends that really did seize the opportunity and just transformed their art. And I, I just I love that you took that opportunity to do, you know, genuinely exploring and, and creative stuff. Yeah. And that, that's really, really cool. Yeah, because because, you know, one one thing about it is that, you know, when. When you're in a band and you write music, a huge part of what you're doing is rehearsing. It just kind of breaks down from there. So it's like, okay, well, what can I do instead of that to keep things moving, to, to keep creating? That's that's something that, you know, is is always been a motivation for me is like, okay, how can I keep creating? Um, that's that's kind of always been the case uh, since I was a... Since I was a kid, it was always easy to find me gifts because it's like, okay, uh, a puzzle. You know, when I was really little, it would yeah. be a puzzle and, you know, put the puzzle together. As I got older, it would be games like, uh, you know, The Sims, where I would just build the houses and not actually play as the characters. <laughs> or like Roller Coaster Tycoon, where you would, you know, build a, uh, an amusement park. Or it, it was always, mm. I always gravitated towards those sorts of games because I was just like, okay, I'm creating something. I'm, I'm doing something with that. Uh, and, uh, Minecraft even when, uh, when, when that came out back in 2010, 2011, um, my friends before I even heard about it, they were like, Hey, I think you'd really like this, this game because you could just like (laughs) do things and yeah. Yeah. And then 12 years now (laughs) later, I, I still, uh, play it every once in a while because I'm just like, Hey, this is, I, I'm. I'm feeling creative in a different way. Let me let me build a house in Minecraft again or something. So. That's, that's kind of awesome. <laughs> so so look, I, so I, I knowing you as I do, I, I I always do think of you as a real New Yorker. But I I know you were not born here, right? You you began I'm a, elsewhere. I'm a fake New Yorker. I I, <laughs> I, I, I so wait. How long you been a New Yorker? I've I've been a New Yorker since I was 13. All so. right, so that that's at least three years. So <laughs> so you're. You're one of us. One of us. One of yeah, us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's been more than half my life that I've lived in the city now. So there's also that that oh, okay. marker of it but too. Where, so. But where did you uh, come from originally? Originally, I'm from the outskirts of D.C. in the the lovely suburb of Silver Spring, Maryland, mm, um, mm. which was uh, a lovely, lovely little suburban neighborhood before I knew how bad suburbs are. Um, <laughs> And uh, you know, I, I lived there for for ten years. Uh, first, and you first were you years. were happy in your ignorance. I was I was very very blissful in my in my ignorance. You know, I was I was a kid, so I, it it didn't it didn't matter as much as like when you become like a teenager and you're like, oh, I want to do stuff. Oh, I need to I I need to learn how to drive if I'm gonna go you know do things, mm-hmm. which is uh, start started to become more of a thing when I moved to uh, upstate New York, uh, which was a bit more of a rural environment. And it's like okay, you can't 
do anything unless you have a car. Mm-hmm. But then I moved to the city when I was uh, actually I was I think I was twelve still at the at the time back mm-hmm. in two thousand seven. Um, and just around the time when I was becoming a little bit more social and like actually having friends and stuff, I wasn't the most popular kid. But <laughs> um, but around that time, it was just like, oh yeah, the subway. I can just get wherever I need to mm-hmm. without without uh, needing anybody else to to escort me or me needing to you know buy a uh, a car or something like that or uh, you know borrow borrow my parents' car or something. They they got rid of their car when they came to the city, so it was like okay. <laughs> Go take a bus. Or, you know. <laughs> right, right. Well, I have to tell you, it, it's funny that you say that because I, do you by any chance, it, there's no reason you should, but do you recall the first time we met? Ooh. It was probably at a rehearsal for the 92Y show. No. 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 Okay. Uh, I've I been friends with your mom for a number of years. Yes. And uh, there was a huge huge snowstorm i think it was like the second of like two snowstorms pretty close back to back it's the first time that like my day job was closed for like three days in a row (laughs) and uh it was like the second or third day of this and i was cat sitting for somebody not terribly far from where you guys lived and your mom called me up and said, hey, want to come by for hot cocoa and, you know, hang out? And I came over and I didn't hang out there for super long. But, you know, I'm like everything in the city has stopped. I think this, the subways had been shut down for a little bit. They were running at that point, but yeah. like barely. Yeah. It's one of those times that everybody walking down the street is cursing to themselves. Goddamn <laughs> yeah. motherfucking snow. Just, snow you know, and black snow. You know, yeah. getting yeah. pelted by joyful kids. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah. Fucking kids. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. So this is the kind of scenario. And I come over there and I have never met you or your sister. I mm-hmm. knew you guys existed. I had never met you before. Yeah. And... You were both just like like really nice, and uh, but you were preparing to go out into the snow to meet with your friends to go see a Beatles cover band. Oh, okay. Beatles tribute band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, and I was like, I like that kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I I I know that puts me exactly where I because I I remember seeing the cover band. I remember it being super snowy at at that time. Yeah. So okay. Yeah. And uh, like everybody else, you know, uh, over the age of 18 or 21 was like looking for excuses not to go anywhere. And he's like, I'm getting ready to head out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. Yeah. And and uh, and uh, on, on the topic of, of, of the Beatles real quick, just, yeah. uh, you know, a lot of a lot of people my age or, or younger, uh, you know, didn't listen to the Beatles as much growing up. Yeah. That was pretty much the only band I listened to. <laughs> Up until I like went off to college, like, because wow. um, it was just. Like, I knew you were in deep. I didn't know that. I was I was in very deep because my you know my my uh, the only music I listened to as a as a kid was either just sort of I think the the Beatles one album uh, album which just had all of their number one singles from mm-hmm. over the years, and I just for some reason I gravitated towards that. So then like for, for birthdays or Christmas or whatever, they, they, you know, buy me another CD and mm-hmm. you know, they have such an enormous discography that that yeah. went on for a long time. They've just so many and albums. And all, all of it remains in print. So you can't access it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, and so I, I never really had the chance to get tired of it, uh, because 
because that, that's another thing about me. If I like something, I can just do that thing for a lot, a long time or a lot. Mm-hmm. That's why the, I didn't go crazy during the pandemic. Or, <laughs> right. Because right, I right. already was crazy. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, oh, it, my skill set works here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. But, you know, I could I could listen to a song or an album just kind of over and over and over again and not get sick of it. So the fact that there was so much... Of, of the Beatles catalog that was just like okay great yeah why do I need to listen to anything else when I've already got this and I, you know everyone else would be like you really don't know this other band I'm like no they're like no <laughs> I don't it, it's funny Carl Fortunato or Summer Replacement's uh, music director always cites you know I like Miles you know why I like Miles and it, there's a million different punchlines to that when he, <laughs> when he does it but when he frequently goes back to you know what I like about Miles his favorite Beatles song is Hey Bulldog. <laughs> Did I get the title right? It's yes, not, no, it, no, no, that, that's I, correct. Yeah, I know the title, but I don't know if I've ever heard it. But it's like, you know, that's how you know. That that kid's different. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. But yeah. so, well, all right. So how old were you when you discovered the Beatles? It was, I was, I was definitely single digits still. It was probably when I was like seven or eight or something like that. Probably around the same time that I started playing saxophone. Well, that was going to be my follow-up question. Did, yeah. Were you playing an instrument at the time you discovered them? It was, it was probably either just before or around the same time as my guess. Because I know I started playing saxophone when I was eight, when I was in fourth grade. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was just, and... It, it took a while for me to even, like, make the connection of, like, oh, I like listening to the Beatles. Oh, I, I like playing saxophone. How could I combine the two or, you know, something like that. Um, was, was this sax uh, something you wanted to do or is that something that was given to you in school or something like that? I mean, Yeah, it was, it was uh, I, I still remember very distinctly it was uh, that summer um, and I was just playing in the backyard and my mom called to me from the kitchen and she said... You're about to enter fourth grade. Uh, you have the option to, uh, you know, learn to play an instrument if you would like in school. Um, do you want to do that? And I was like, yeah, sure. You know, just say yes. Why not? She was like, okay, what instrument do you want to play? I was like, uh, w- what are the choices? Because <laughs> I, I, I didn't have a preference. And she just listed a whole bunch of them. And it, after she listed them, I it, it didn't really change uh, how I felt about any of them. So I just pretty much randomly picked the saxophone and uh um and she was like okay and 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 that's that's why i play the saxophone because i randomly picked it when i was eight seven eight years old and uh and and it was originally just for school but uh my parents were like okay if you're gonna play the saxophone in you know in school we want you to we want you to take it seriously and you know we're gonna get you uh, a private teacher outside as well not only did I have a private teacher, I went through a few different private teachers to, mm-hmm. to find one that would, you know, uh, oh. really, really work. Different teachers taught me different things, but it was it was why I got a lot better at it over the course of, of a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was it was, you know, just the saxophone. And I was I was I was almost classically taught uh, the saxophone. So, mm-hmm. you know, um which is which is not what the saxophone is known for, you know. It's it's known <laughs> right, for jazz, right, right. obviously. And in the in the mid eighties, the, the it was also known for cheesy sax solo breaks. Oh yeah, yeah, necessary, uh, necessary for for, <laughs> exactly. for pop music and all that. But <laughs> well, and, and let me yeah. ask you this: was was, uh, was it love at first blow? <laughs> I, I, Hold on, I, let's leave a little room for our no-name fans to insert their own jokes there. Oh yeah, um, 
Okay. Okay. Yeah. And... Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, yeah I'm but no, I mean, did, did you to... take to it immediately? I. I, I do actually. That's pretty young, right? You like how old were you? I, I was eight. So yeah. And and the other thing that's funny about that is that I was very small for my age. So mm-hmm. I could. Be, there's a there's a great photo of me. Uh, it must have been the first year that I was playing. Uh, I look like I'm like five years old because I I looked young for my age too. I could barely reach all the keys on the saxophone mm-hmm. because my arms literally were not long enough. Uh, <laughs> it's a good thing you didn't randomly select a trombone. Yeah, yeah. That, that would not have gone well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would, I, yeah, and I, I'd get lost inside a sousaphone in a, in a, in a heartbeat. But, uh, but so, like, I was I was barely big enough to play it, and I, I do actually remember the first, the first time that I, like, that I uh, played a note. It was a C-sharp. It sounded awful, mm-hmm. and it, it startled me how loud it was. I was just like, oh, okay, that's, that's, that's how this is going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, it was, probably a little bit louder than uh than i would have liked because i was relatively soft spoken back then so mm-hmm. if anything thank goodness that i was in a uh that i was that i was living in the suburbs living in a house because otherwise i probably would have been too self-conscious to to practice at home like knowing that there's other people behind the walls besides right. my family yeah um because when i moved to the city uh in 2007 I all but and stopped. And how old were you at that point? At that point, I was I was twelve. Okay, um, so you you you're pretty far in with the act. Yeah, that yeah. Point. Four years of of uh, of playing in school, playing uh, you know with a with weekly lessons with a with a private teacher. Um, by that point, we moved to the city, and I all but stopped practicing uh, mm-hmm. at at home. Up until that point, I was practicing six days a week. Oh wow! For for okay. almost an hour. Uh, because like, like, uh, like I said, my parents were like, it wasn't just having the private teacher, but it was actually practicing and taking the time to, to, to get better at the, at the instrument. And are, are you enjoying the, the, you know, the process the practicing the... Yeah. The I mean, that, that was the other thing it was, it was just sort of, I never connected like, oh, I'm a musician or like, this is something that I want to do when I grow up or anything like that. It was just sort of like a, oh, I decided that I was going to do this and this is just a thing that I do. <laughs> I guess yeah. I didn't think about it too much, but I was just like, oh yeah, I, I also play the saxophone. And it wasn't until high school where I I sort of got a little bit more involved in it, mm-hmm. uh, a little bit more into it. And um, because I was only mostly playing in school uh, and, and not practicing at home as much anymore. And, uh, you know, there was, there was a, a little bit more... Uh, social pressure that I was feeling just like for um, from from people who weren't taking it as seriously so I started like priding myself on someone who who did take it a little bit more seriously because Mm -hmm. my high school was was more academics based and uh, and focused a little bit more on you know just like math science uh, which which I also enjoyed (laughs) I I, I also enjoyed those subjects I did like school there was was, I guess there was something about you know other people not taking it seriously that made me want to take it more seriously because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I I wouldn't say I was like a teacher's pet necessarily but like you know I I I wanted to make sure that that the teachers liked me you know because they were the ones who were going to be grading me which was the, you know <laughs> right, the, the, right. the grade of how I was doing as a as a person at at that age and I'm sure they liked that you did take the initiative and you were actually enjoying and wanting to do yeah you know. yeah yeah you know I, I i wouldn't i wouldn't be afraid to be the kid sitting towards the front of the room or anything like that mm-hmm. i i did my homework assignments all that jazz um and all that jazz but hey. um <laughs> but, uh, so, but and were you with, playing jazz but uh, <laughs> at some point in high school i finally reached a point where i was just oh no i i know exactly what it was it was 
uh, back to the Beatles thing, actually. Um, my good friend, who was the one who I went to the Beatles tribute concert with, uh, his, his name's Griffin. Hey, Griffin, if you're listening. Uh, <laughs> uh, he and I are still very close friends. We, we met in high school, and we both really liked the Beatles. Mm-hmm. Uh, he knew other bands also, because he was fancy. But, <laughs> uh, but uh, we, we shared uh, a love of the Beatles, and when uh, the game Beatles Rock Band came out, um, which yeah. was the you know a version of Guitar Hero. I tried Guitar Hero. I couldn't I couldn't figure out how to use the controller the right way. I had never played guitar before. I was just like, okay, I'm not good at this. But with Beatles Rock Band, they had other uh, instruments you could play. You could do other things mm-hmm. other than guitar. Mm-hmm. You could do the bass, which was roughly the same thing. Or there was the drums, or you could sing. Mm-hmm. So um, I was like, okay, well I'm not good at the guitar. Let me let me try the let me try the drums. And it was just sort of like a, a little drum pad, and you just sort of follow along. Right. And I was pretty good at it. And I'm just like, this is this is fun. I I like. I like playing in a band, and that was sort of where the first ah, the first inkling of like, ooh, I want to play in a band came from. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started asking people at school, like, hey, anybody want to want to play in a band? And all of them looked up from their textbooks and they said, no. <laughs> I was gonna say I don't know which is more amusing to me: the fact that they didn't want to play in a band, or that. They looked up from their textbooks. Definitely not the school I went to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, exactly. And you know, a, a lot of it was 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 superficially looking up from their textbooks to look oh, okay, like they okay. were doing work. There was a lot of that. It was it was a school on the Upper East Side. It was you know. Oh, well, that explained it. That yeah, explain, explains all of it. But <laughs> but you know uh, you know what I think is interesting though uh, to me because you know you you you're developing uh, your love of the Beatles at the same time you're developing your your love of the sax. Yeah, and. The Beatles are not <laughs> a saxophone heavy. Band. No, no, definitely not. So, so you're going through high school and uh, you decided you'd like to be in a band. Yeah. Um, how are you feeling about music? Well, did you form a band? In high school, no. My first band wasn't until uh, my first year of college. Okay. Yeah. But, uh, but was that when you started, or, or somebody invited you? It was. I was invited. the The band was. It was very different from anything I'd ever done before. It was uh, people who listened to it likened it mostly to a band called the Mars Volta, which is a mm-hmm, very yeah. alternative uh, kind of out there rock punk type band. Uh, I've I've never really delved into listening to them too much, but uh, I knew that it was coming from a place of appreciation when people were likening us to to the Mars Volta. Um, and uh, it would meant complimentary. Yeah, yeah, it was it was definitely meant as a as a compliment. So where I where I came from was sort of the same place that I came from when I was doing private lessons was a lot more like classical music, classical mm-hmm. arrangements of songs. But there was a there was a jazz band uh, in 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 my high school, which I uh, I really enjoyed it because uh, it was where I first learned how to improvise. Because mm-hmm. up until that point. If I didn't have a piece of music in front of me, I couldn't. I I, I didn't know what to do. Yeah, <laughs> I needed yeah. a piece of music there to in order to 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 play stuff because I was taught how to read music and I I was very strictly like okay this is what the music is telling me to do. I was very good at sight reading. A lot of the more technical uh, capacities and capabilities, and then all of a sudden they were like okay now do a solo and I'm like a what <laughs> a, a solo just you know play play notes. Uh, I, I I didn't receive the music for that. Yeah yeah exactly and it was it, there was a. There was there was a bit of that disconnect at first, and it took me a while, and I developed that through high school how to you know solo, um, and and I learned a lot from that. And then 
thankfully, I, because I had that, it made it a lot easier for me to transition into into the first band that I was in because it was there was no music written out for it. Yeah, I yeah. had no idea what what I was playing, and it was all muscle memory and uh, just remembering what it was that the the parts that I was coming up with or the parts that the guitar player was telling me to play. Which when the the way that band started was. Um, uh, I went. I went from high school straight to college. Uh, I went to Cooper Union for civil engineering mm. because at the time uh, my other big passion was, uh, or my main passion, I should say, was uh, trains. I loved the subway. I loved sort of public transportation. All of that. I thought I wanted to go into you know like planning for the Second Avenue subway and things mm. like that. You know, ur- urban-based planning for for stuff like that, and I was told that civil engineering was the best way to get to that. So I'm like, okay, want to go? I want to stay in New York City. I want to go to a school for engineering and a school that's good. What are the options? Cooper Union's free. Oh, let's try to get into that. And I got good into call. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, right. So I started Cooper Union. Uh, I'm living at the dorms there, really having the opportunity to become more social for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, I focus more on that as well as uh you know being in a band and and really getting into music for the first time like actually really getting into music for the first time not just it being a thing that i did but really Mm -hmm. a thing that i focused on and enjoyed that was that was really um the transition into when when that started to happen people were trying to get to know each other because most people are coming from all over the place uh, out of the city and everything so people are trying to get to know each other and people you know, there's sort of like a uh, a big jam session that was had uh, mm. like a month into uh, everybody being there. And uh, where it was just like, anybody who plays an instrument, come down to the, the common room on the fourth floor and we'll all, we'll all play something. You know, I, I had some some fun there. And uh, and then one of the other guys who was there was this guitar player named John. And uh, he was sort of looking for. Uh, he had written a bunch of music and he was looking for other people to to play with him. He had found an architecture student at Cooper Union who played the drums. So <laughs> it was him on guitar, uh, this other guy on drums. He was really looking for like a bass player and like potentially a singer. But I come along, I'm just like, I play saxophone. And, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and he's like, okay, maybe you can try to play the bass parts on saxophone. Ah. So that was, for people who don't know, when you write songs on guitar, typically the chords that you start with are like, maybe E or A or something like that. When you translate those to saxophone, that translates to C sharp and like F sharp. Yeah, C sharp and F sharp, which are difficult keys to play on uh, on a saxophone because you're, you're playing all sorts of different sharps and flats, which are not part of easier to play scales. Mm-hmm. So I was really stretching what I had been doing prior to, in order to be able to, to keep up with the guitar. But um, I, I'm guessing that that you kind of dug that challenge, though. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, I dug the challenge because yeah, you're like, well, this is an unorthodox thing to do. Yeah, let's do this. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Like, like play a bass part on a saxophone. Yeah, sure. Why not? Let's see how it sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and how did it sound? It sounded pretty good. Um, eventually, we would find a a bass player who could play those parts. So sometimes I would be doubling him. Sometimes I'd find some some other part to 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 play that I was writing myself, improvising, all the mm-hmm. stuff that I had learned how to do thanks to, you know, jazz band in high school. Shout mm-hmm. out to Miss Sue. Um, mm-hmm. she, and, she, you know, she did a lot for uh, my, the high school music teacher to to get me to a place where it would uh, be easier for me to be able to play in this band. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, I, I had 
I had so much fun in that band because mm-hmm. you know it was, it was my first band. It's like you know it's like your first relationship or whatever. Where, yeah. Where it's just yeah. like you know you're 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 getting into it. You never forget your first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I mean, no, you know? yeah, yeah. And it was it was it was really really great. And you know I I didn't have a voice as much. So mm-hmm. and and our guitarist John he was he was super opinionated about everything. He's like mm-hmm. you know I he would tell me to play something and I would play almost that thing. He'd be like no. uh right there that note is supposed to be that note and so it was very corrective that way but it was it was helpful because it helped guide me and and really keep pushing myself to get to the next mm-hmm. level with mm-hmm. it and uh and and fr- and you know from there if i even if i was coming up with something on my own he'd be like oh what if you did this instead of that and i'd be like oh okay yeah i can try i can try that and i was i was very open to that and you know that that's part of why our dynamic of writing stuff together worked so well so okay, so so you're playing with the band. What what was the band's name? It was called Little Lucy, uh, and Lucy was short for Lucifer. <laughs> <laughs> of uh, course it was. Of course it was. Um, so oh. it was it was uh, spelled L U C I. So Little Lucy, <laughs> um, and uh, you know the name wasn't wasn't my choice. It was again the the, the guitarist, but mm-hmm. uh, but you know. There, there was something very helpful about having him being the sort of the guiding force behind a lot of things. And eventually I would start to push back a little bit and that would, that, you know, that, that dynamic did really end up helping us quite a lot. Mm-hmm. But the, the, di- the dynamic in that band was, in retrospect, so bizarre because when we rehearsed, it was just me and John. Mm-hmm. Um, we would they give rarely... everybody else their parts and they, they come ready to go? Yeah. Theoretically? Yeah. But w- when, we, when we would give people their parts it was giving the drummer his part by okay we're playing a show in front of an audience we're gonna start playing you're gonna figure out what you're gonna do (laughs) and that is what because he he was i guess he was just so busy all the time as as an architecture student that he he didn't have the time a lot to to rehearse i think we had a grand total the band existed for almost two years we had i think three rehearsals with drums (laughs) out of all of that everything else was him picking up things on the spot and he was he was incredible he would come up with distinct parts for and these these were not your simple you know pop songs either they were there was okay there's part a which goes to part b which goes to part c which then goes back to part a and then parts d e and f happen but then you go back to part c and then it ties back to parts a and so these were not standard structured songs he would come up with distinct parts for them and as soon as he came up with them he would then play them the exact same way every time after that it was incredible. Rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and I, I don't know how he did it. I was always very <laughs> impressed. And that was part of it, too, is the people that I was playing with were very good at their instruments. Yeah. And didn't know anything about the other person's instrument. So oh, nice. there was there was this yeah. sort of respect of like, you know, you do what you do really well, and, and I'll let, do what I let, do really well, and we'll let it just... And letting people do what they do really well and not getting in the way. Yeah, kind exactly. Of there, there was a lot of that, and, you know... He w- he would nitpick about some things, but o- other times he would start playing something, and then I would I, he'd be like, "Okay, try and play something along to this," and I'd play something. And he'd be like, "Okay, do 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 exactly what you just did," uh, and I'm like, "I don't know what I just did. I was just I was just playing around." So I really got into the habit, and this is uh, this this is a, a good um, foreshadowing for later. I would re- get into the habit of starting to just record voice memos on my phone, just just. We would start having a rehearsal. I would just hit record, and we would just. And if if he stopped and said, "I really liked what you just did," I'd be like, "I don't know what I just did." I would right, go back right, and I would listen yeah. to it, and that's where I really started to get into more recording everything that I did, 
and recording everything that we did so that we would have recordings that we would listen back to and, you know, build upon those or be like, okay, yeah, I, I think that was good, but I think we need to do the whole song just a little bit faster. And it, there was so much of that fine tuning and uh, sort of obsessing over all of the little details that made our music um, when we played it live, just like baffling for people because they were just like, <laughs> How are you, like, you just did 45 minutes of I don't even know what, it was awesome, <laughs> but I can't, like, there, there was so much to process there, because everybody was doing so much, so many different things all at the same time, and, so now, yeah. Yeah, now, now you, so, you, so you guys are playing out, you're gigging kind of semi-regularly at this point, right? Yeah, 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 it's, and, it started just in random places, but then it became more consistent over time, yeah. And you getting a good response? Yeah, getting a, getting a very good response from people. People are coming up, total strangers afterwards being like, that was incredible. Like, uh, you know, you, you guys are kind of like the Mars Volta, but like, um, I was not used to that at all. Um, and uh, the whole thing with that, too, was um, I was not very comfortable playing in front of audiences. Mm. Um, and so when I would play, I would be playing with my eyes closed. So I wouldn't be seeing the audience's reaction in real time. It would always be, I would finish the, we would finish the song or finish the show and then we'd get the feedback, which was still a nice feedback loop there, but it was, uh, there was definitely a level of uncomfortableness. Yeah, was, was that any issue in being able to, to communicate with your bandmates on stage? On stage, we really didn't do a lot of communicating, uh, which would throw us off if somebody did something that wasn't what they were <laughs> right. supposed to do a little bit. Um, but it was, you know, we, we, we were having fun with it and thank God I have tons of old footage of, of our old shows and, nice. and and all of those old recordings of our rehearsals and things like that, including one of my fa my favorite uh, little tidbits of um, how good I got at saxophone, which was um, one day I was at Cooper um, and it was my freshman year still. I pulled an all-nighter the night before because that's what you do in college. Is yeah. You pull an all-nighter, you don't sleep. And then you still try and function as a human being the next day, and somehow you're mostly able to. But it was so it's the evening of that of that next day, and we had uh, we were supposed to have rehearsal, and I was tired, and I I told John that at the beginning. He's like, yeah, but we're supposed to rehearse because we were gonna rehearse, and it was like, okay, we're we're, we're gonna rehearse, and he was like, okay. So I came up with this. Uh, I think we have a new song here, and what we would usually do is sort of part by part. He would he would just loop whatever he was doing, just play it over and over again, and I would keep playing until we came up with something that right, I liked. Right, right. And uh, this was a slower song. So he starts playing the song. It's a little bit slower. And I'm kind of leaning to the to the side in my chair a little bit and and sitting and, and, and playing and, you know, trying to come up with stuff. And we're doing that. He's, he's looping the same thing over and over again. It's a slow song. I'm playing, I'm playing, I'm playing. And then I wake up and, huh? uh, and I... I took the instrument out of my mouth and and then john stops playing he's like why'd you stop playing i'm like i i was playing just then and he was like yeah yeah you were and i'm like was did, did it sound good did it was did, did it make sense he was like yeah i'm like were you recording i was uh, yeah yeah we were recording the whole there you thing go. I, and i was like i was asleep he was like really i'm like yeah i i legitimately fell asleep while playing wow, saxophone and i'm like can we end rehearsal now? <laughs> but, <laughs> Probably but, a good time to stop. Yeah, um, but but that recording exists. It's it's only audio, but you can hear just oh, like I, the, you can hear all of it, and then you can just hear me stop and like ask like the question like, 
was I just playing? And like that, 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 that whole sort of exchange. And it, it was it was so funny to me. So I can officially say that I've played saxophone in my sleep. Which wow. I, I love okay. That. So, so you're playing out. Yeah, and you uh, you you're playing out with the band, and you're 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 flunking out in in college. Yeah, yeah. It, it, th- those two things weren't necessarily super related to each other. Right, but I'm saying these are occurring simultaneously. Ha- it's definitely happening simultaneously. Whenever people were like, "Hey, let's hang out," I would never say no, and that was that was much more a contribution to to my downfall academically because I'm like. Like I would sit down and get ready to study and then someone would knock on the dorm door and be like, hey, let's go do something. And I'd be like, th- you know, throw the laptop aside. Yeah, let's go do something and, you know, go. And uh, you're, you're not really a party guy in terms of, you know, substances or drinking or anything of that nature, no, right? No, I... So, you're just on the move, going, doing shit. Yeah, yeah. At this point, so so you... you did <laughs> Forgive me for anything this way, yeah. but so you flunked out of school. I did. Yeah. It, so it, what it was, happens next? Yeah, yeah. So what happens next is um, I I fail out, and it's very unique circumstances because I didn't. I want to say it's like July or something. Mm-hmm. I have now, in this time, I have found the roommates that I'm going to live with for next year that all go to the school with me. Uh, we we get this apartment right near the school, mm-hmm. and then I check my email and I find a number of rather alarming emails. One of them is letting me know that I'm on uh, academic probation mm. because of my grades. Not only am I on academic probation, but I'm doing bad enough that I need to go in and, you know, sort of explain myself. <laughs> and the date for that was a month in the past. Oh, wow. And so I had missed all of that. And then they just send me an email saying, like, you didn't show up to, you know, to, right. to um, say anything for yourself. Unfortunately, you're you're no longer at... At, at Cooper Union, and I am just my mind was blown completely by this because even even though I was doing badly and this that and the other thing, I was still fully convinced that this was what I was going to do. I was very much of like the one track mind of like, okay, I went I went to I went to high school. Okay, now I'm going to college and I'm mm-hmm. going to go to college and I'm going to do really well there. And somehow or, you know, do have a ninety two like point something average. Yeah. You know, because that's what I was used to, and right. that's what had always been the case. And all of a sudden, I just failed out of school, and I am now in a paying rent on an apartment, uh, so that I can go to a school that I just got kicked out of. And I had to that summer. Uh, I think that was the summer of 2012. Figure out okay, what else am I good at? What what can I? What else can I do with my life? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was it was a terrifying summer because I was just like I don't know what I'm gonna do. I'm uh, I'm 18. Like I I thought I had everything all figured out, and I have just found that that is not the case. Right. And so I'm like, okay, well, racking my brains. What else am I good at? Good at music. And I've really started liking this whole, you know, recording thing mm. and, uh, you know, picking up uh, recording stuff and trying to, you know, record proper demos of, of my band's stuff. So then I find, oh, I can make a career out of that. Audio engineering. That's a that's a not not at all the type of engineering that I was going to no, school right. for. But uh, and it doesn't involve calculus and derivatives and integrals or anything like that. But it is it's a it's a living. It's a way to potentially make money. So I, once again, go and do some research. My dad mostly does the research because I was too busy wallowing in a pit of of, uh, of sadness. And See, that's uh, where the drinking would have been helpful. <laughs> yeah, 
No, exactly. I mean, but, but I was 18. No, I no, couldn't I'm drink. Glad. I couldn't drink underage. Are you kidding? Um, no, you, you would never do something like that. I would never do something like that. No one does anything like that, especially not in New York. Pishtar, certainly not in New York. Yeah, no. Um, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, but uh, he finds a couple different schools that I could go to in New York for audio engineering. One of them is City College. Uh, and uh, they have this great program called the Sonic Arts Center, and this this is now coming up in like August, and we're like, okay, well, when when can I, uh, you know, when when should I apply? It's like the deadline for applying for to be a non degree student, which was like the last possible thing you could do, right. is is uh, three days from now, and we're <laughs> like, okay, we got to run to the school and like try to figure <laughs> right. this out, um, and you know, we're. We're in line to at the at the bursar's office trying to figure things out, mm-hmm. and the people in front of me, it, were were overhearing what they're saying. Very similar situation to mine. Oh, failed wow. out, fail out, failed out of school, uh, trying to get into another school, and they just we, we we heard them. They're like, "There's pretty much nothing you can do," and we're and I'm just like, "Oh shit!" Like this is that like that's that's not that's not promising. <laughs> we we get up there in line, and then they ask us the question, "Well." Have, did, have you applied to City College in the past? And that was where things differed because I actually had applied to City College oh, in the past. I had applied to two schools uh, coming out of high school. All, all, everyone else, all, all of my you know academic cohorts had applied to you know 15, 16 different colleges all across the, the country. There was only one thing I was interested in at the, at the time when I was leaving high school, which was I want to stay in the city and I want to go to a school for civil engineering. There were two schools that were on my list. There was Cooper Union and there was City College. Yeah. And my at the time, 92 consistent average, I, I got into both schools, but I had ultimately decided to go to Cooper Union. But they right. still had my record of, ah. oh, I had applied. I had gotten accepted to the They didn't know about program. the new stuff. They didn't, yeah. Well, I mean, they knew about the new <laughs> stuff, but they were, they were like, oh, we had initially accepted you for the honors program here. Mm-hmm. Maybe the last year was just a fluke. Right. We're gonna let you apply and get in now as a as a degree student, even though you missed that deadline like a couple weeks ago. And uh, yeah, go go apply for classes. Uh, school starts in two days. That's very cool. <laughs> so and 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 you hit City College, and 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 now things start to click. Yeah, things start to click immediately. I'm I'm like I need to get my act together. I need to you know it didn't help that I did actually have a lot of you know more musical training, and all of a sudden they put me in the beginner classes. <laughs> it, it does give me that sort of confidence boost I needed of like oh I know how to do this stuff. Ninety five in that class, or you know uh, uh, for uh, for all of a sudden I have like a you know a three point something four point average again. And I'm just like okay, <laughs> I'm not an idiot. I can you know I can I I can do something and. I get into the Sonic Arts Center program, and I just hit the ground running. I didn't have the same sort of experience that a lot of other people did because everything that I had been recording up until that point was with throwback to the Beatles rock band days, a Beatles rock band USB microphone. That was the only microphone I knew how to use. Just plug it directly into the computer, load up the free software uh, Audacity, shout out to Audacity, and that was how I was recording things. Mm -hmm. And I got quite good at that you know sound quality aside it was decent quality all things considered but you know it, it wasn't wasn't your uh you know thousand dollar microphone like like we're speaking into right now uh long, come a long way uh <laughs> so so you, you you're getting into this and you're, you're learning your craft or your newly chosen craft yes uh while this is going on what's going on with you musically musically uh it's interesting because i get out of uh that 
that band, as, as wonderfully and as quickly as it had formed, suddenly disappears. I get into the Sonic Arts Center, and all of a sudden, John and I, the, the guitarist, we had been, we used to rehearse almost constantly. Like, it, it, at first it was like, you know, two, three times a week, and then it was like almost every day for a long time. And then mm. all of a sudden I get into this program, and we were sitting on albums worth of material. Mm-hmm. We had we were working on demos for our first album. We had three other albums planned. Huh. We had the 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 straight second album which was going to be a continuation of the first album. We had one that had more acoustic tunes, things with an acoustic guitar rather than an electric guitar. Mm-hmm. And then we had another album which was like the batshit crazy super weird out there album that we were planning. So we had we had all this music that we had written and we were ready to to do stuff with and, you know, we were in near constant communication, John and I just, like, coming up with things and everything. And then the school year starts, and all of a sudden, he's not texting me, and I'm not texting him. And I'm, I'm waiting, I'm kind of waiting for him to text me and be like, okay, so when are we going to start doing stuff? And that doesn't happen. And we go three months without, pretty much without talking at all. And then wow. finally, I, I just, I reach out to him because he has uh, a keyboard that I have, and I'm like, Hey, I was wondering if I could like come by and like grab the keyboard so I could like uh, do some stuff with the keyboard. He's like, "Oh yeah, um, you know, when are you, when are you free? I'm free this time." I go over to his place, and uh, he doesn't invite me in. We're oh, damn. we're st- we're standing outside his apartment. It's like late fall or something, so it's a little bit cold. Uh, and we just talk for like two or three hours. And at some point in the middle of that, uh, we're we're just kind of updating each other on life and stuff. And he yeah. just he just up and tells me he's just like, "Oh yeah, so." Um, all the music that we made, I kind of don't like it anymore. So that's, uh, yeah. So, and that was, that was the end of it. Uh, and that's it for Little Lucy. Yeah, Little, uh, and that was, that was the end of Little Lucy in its entirety. All I have left of that band are the recordings, and I haven't spoken to John since. <laughs> wow. So um, was, was, it, was it just because it was awkward or was it hard feelings about I didn't know. I, it was it was hard to tell. Uh, one thing I knew is that he actually didn't enjoy playing shows live ah. because uh, he wasn't able to play as well as he would like because of just so many different things happening. The fact that we'd probably be playing faster than we were during rehearsals. Mm-hmm. So he actually wasn't a big fan of, of doing shows. He just wanted to sit in a room, record stuff, and just release it and expect that people were going to like it. And I, <laughs> I realized, even though I wasn't the one organizing the shows, that was usually him. I, re- I, I knew at that point, like that's that's not that's not really what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And I, I did like live shows because I, I, I loved you know seeing people's reactions and knowing that that was the way that we were going to get people to to pay attention to us and and care, give a shit, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, for lack of a better term. Um, so that band ends around the same time that my next band begins, uh, that band being a real horror show, uh, Mm -hmm. which I started with, uh, one of my fellow students at the, at the Sonic Arts Center. And, uh, that, that band was kind of the opposite of Little Lucy in a lot of ways in that, um, I was left kind of entirely to my own devices on, on saxophone. Rather, Ooh, dangerous. Rather, yeah, very, very dangerous. So rather than there being much input from somebody else saying like, oh, hey, you should play this note instead of this note or that note instead of, or do this phrase instead of that phrase, it was just kind of all of a sudden I would play something and it'd be like, that's perfect. Do that. <laughs> or, you know, th- uh, he pushed me in other ways. My, my co-writer, Taylor, um, he would push me to, to sing better. Um, he would push me to... Uh, 
to try out playing other instruments a little bit more because I was starting to pick up other instruments and learn how to play other instruments. In high school, uh, going back to the rock band thing, I acquired a real drum kit and started learning how to play actual drums. Mm -hmm. I picked up piano at some point, started learning how to play piano. And by the time of Little Lucy, I was starting to play a little bit of guitar and bass myself too. So I'm starting to get to some of the other instruments in part out of the frustration that I had back in high school of like wanting to be in a band and not finding anybody else to be in a band with being like, okay, fine. I'll play all the instruments myself. I don't care. (laughs) So there was, there was some of that. Um, so I, I go through uh, the Sonic Arts Center, learn so much about recording, learning how to record things the right way, with the right equipment, with the right software, all that stuff, all the tips and tricks, and I, I flourished there. I did, I, uh, had so the grades time. are coming back. The grades totally came back, and, and the, the program was less about the grades and more about what you were actually, what you were creating, which was, mm-hmm. goes back to what I always loved to do, which was create things back to, you know, the, the early days of when I was putting together puzzles and things like that. It was creating. I loved creating things. And here, all the emphasis was on what you were creating uh, mm-hmm. because assignments would be write a song that incorporates this, that, or the other thing. But the assignment is write a song. <laughs> so it's like, okay. I'm good at that. Let me let me do that. Let me focus on that. Well, so. now, I, I'm curious that, yeah. that this is uh, write a song. It is part of your work for the uh, sound engineering stuff. These are audio assignments. Oh, so so did did one need to have a, a knowledge of writing music in order to take these classes? Yes. Yeah. That was that that was ah, kind of one of okay. the prerequisites. So. The, the, Got it. Yeah, that is, that's a very special kind of education. There. Yeah, oh, it was it was very special because it was a program within the music program. So you had to be in the music program in order to apply to the Sonic Arts program. And the main part of your application to the Sonic Arts program was four recorded samples of your work. It could be anything. Your involvement of it could be a wide variety of different things. I submitted my Beatles rock band recordings, <laughs> uh, and and that was what got me into the program. This program sounds like it's absolutely designed for you because you're you're getting your education, working towards a practical application of things that you like, while having an excuse to write music as well. Yeah, it was the 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 years that I was in that program were some of the some of the happier years that, that, that I've had. Certainly after, after what happened at Cooper Union, it was just, it was a complete 180, and I was, I was writing really great stuff too. Uh, some of that stuff is, a, a lot of the music that I still play now is stuff that I wrote from, from back during that time. Um, how does stuff go with uh, Real Horror Show? Real Horror Show kicked around for a good three, four years. We had a couple really big shows uh, here and there. Um, playing around the city, we we got a lot more stuff recorded than uh, um, than we did with with Little Lucy. Uh, Little Lucy, we only ever released like uh, three three official demos of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Real Horror Show, we released a single and then we released an EP, and mm-hmm. we had plans for an album, and we never quite got that far. What stopped us was originally it was just me and Taylor, mm-hmm. and when we would play live, we would play to backing tracks. So we didn't have a drummer. Oh, we didn't okay. have a bass player. He played guitar and sang. I played saxophone and sang. And that was that was what we did. Mm-hmm. And at some point, we finally decided, okay, live shows are great, but it, they're a lot better with a real drummer, not just playing to, you know, a, yeah. a recording of, of a drummer doing stuff. And we thought that would really take our shows to the next level. So 
Uh, I I brought a buddy of mine who was a who was a guitar player, uh, but could play drums to play drums, and uh, and Taylor got a, a friend of his to play bass. Uh, so then it was we were a four piece band, and then the next eight months were some of the most frustrating months <laughs> because um, we were rehearsing and we kept rehearsing, but we weren't getting better, mm. and I felt that I was in the place that I needed to be. But the rest of the band was needing to get to where I was. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was most of it came down to the rhythm of, of it because uh, our, the drummer, like I said, he wasn't actually a real drummer right. per se. So he could, he could play drums, but, um, but if there was somebody who was speeding up or falling behind, he might tend towards, rather than keeping the beat, he might start following to them drift, a little bit. Yeah. So, and... Uh, Taylor, great guitar player, he would frequently rush, and our bass player would frequently drag behind. And between the two of them, (laughs) he wouldn't know who to follow, and things would frequently fall apart. Me, playing saxophone and singing, had the least uh, influence on the rhythm. Right, so not something you could even lead by example. Correct. So I would would just be be standing there, you know, in front of the the microphones, frustrated, uh, you know, trying, trying to steer things back on course one way or the other and and just sort of being unable to and it was around that time also that i had written started i've been writing lots of music at this point not just for for school and not just for real horror show i was just writing 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 i think it was 2014 or 2015 i wrote just a lot of songs that year mm-hmm. and some of them i would show in their early stages to to taylor and he'd be like, oh, yeah, we should totally do something with this. And, you know, we would embellish it and turn it into a, a real horror show song. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the songs I would recognize pretty quickly, like, this doesn't really quite fit the the, the mood or the vibe of real horror show. And what this was is, the mood and vibe of real horror show? It was, it was a cross between sort of alternative rock, uh, but with um, some electronic and pop sensibilities to mm. it. So, you know, we weren't we weren't afraid to have like an electronic drum kit or like a, a weird synth come in in the middle of a song or something like that. But um, things that were a little bit, uh, you know, kind of darker or heavier, we wouldn't necessarily do or be able to do in in the kind of the way that we that we had things and a little bit more of a mainstream sensibility than little lucy yes definitely significantly more mainstream (laughs) appeal sensibility all that all that kind of stuff um which was fine you know that that there was uh i was i could adapt to to different circumstances and which i did and uh i i really enjoyed all of that but the fact that we were rehearsing for eight months and not playing any shows was driving me crazy um so um we're not playing any shows i'm getting frustrated i have all these songs that i'm kind of sitting on that i have nothing to do with or that i'm not sure what to do with and there's a class that i take at uh at city college not part of the sonic arts center but it was called uh rock ensemble and what the class was was effectively it was School of Rock 101, where anybody, if you played drums, guitar, bass, or sang, you could apply um, to to the class. And what happens is is all these people would would uh, join the class first day, get broken up into different bands. Those are the bands that you're going to be in for the rest of the semester. Mm-hmm. And the whole point of that class was not to teach you how to play your instrument, but to how to be an exciting performer and how to work 
with a band and have a good band dynamic on stage or to be a good audience member that feeds into the energy of what yeah, the performer's yeah, yeah. doing. And it was totally illuminating to me to as somebody who would just stand on the stage, not move around at all, and play with my eyes closed. All of a sudden, I'm being told, you have to open your eyes, you have to look at people right in the eyes, you have to, you have to move around, look at the other performers, give them a nod and a smile, and that'll, you know... And the GPA dropped back down to 92. No, <laughs> no it, it was, I, I picked up, I, I learned so much from, from that class and it, it was uncomfortable, but I, I, uh, I did it and it helped a lot. It helped, Taylor and I took the class together and it helped us a lot. But what it also did was it got me to find a bunch of other people who played drums and bass and guitar. <laughs> right, right. And from those people, a lot of them really liked what I was doing and how I played and everything. And from that, a couple people said like, hey, if you're ever looking to start a band or, you know, something, let me know. And I'm like, so about that. <laughs> and so I found a, a friend of mine who who played bass, a, a, a friend of mine who played guitar and a friend of mine who played uh, drums a little bit, mostly played guitar. And, uh, but I was just like, you want to be our drummer? And she said, yes. And we formed the first iteration of, uh, what would become my band now, Blue Spruce. Uh, I was so, uh, insecure about the band being mine at first, because I, even though I wrote all the music and everything, um, I was like, I, you know, I want this to be a band. I didn't know what to, what to call us. And I, 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 I left it open to everybody in the band. I'm just like, I don't just want this to be like the Miles Blue Spruce band. It was our drummer who eventually suggested, like, we should just call ourselves Blue Spruce. And I'm like, does everyone is everyone cool with that? Like, does everyone agree? And they're like, yeah, no, it makes sense. And like, it's a cool name. And uh, so so I wasn't even the one who named the band Blue Spruce. It was it was the it was the drummer. Um, and oh, I see that makes sense because usually that kind of out of control egomania is fueled by drugs, and you didn't have that in your. Favorite. I didn't have that. <laughs> so, well, all right. So, so uh, this comes about. Let me let me ask you. This. I I want to interject here because yeah, along somewhere along this path, you started playing with the no name house band. Yes, uh, in gigs that were allowed a a person under twenty one to to come in. Yes, and um. I have to say, it was, it was interesting to me that some of this was going on. I saw a number of your live shows along the way. And when I first met you, you were exclusively a sax player who fill in with us some, sometimes. But also along the way, we began our weekly no-name-at-word-up shows. And you were still living uptown at that point. And I thought it'd be nice to have some music every show. And I invited you to come and I believe the first couple of shows you may have played sax, but you you were coming in there weekly, you know, with weeks off here and there. But it was interesting because when you first started bringing in the guitar, you know, I could see how tentative you were with that. And then you, you say you're fronting a band and you're singing and and playing guitar, and I'm like, oh, this is gonna be interesting. And it, it was really, I have to say, it's a lot of fun watching you get more and more confident and then when i saw you you know fronting the band with your electric guitar and the whole band I'm like oh look at that you know that was <laughs> really kind of come a you long know, way well it, but it was also it was interesting because you came from a place that was so far removed from being a frontman guitarist of his own band you know to that it seemed to me initially that you you were kind of like ready to own it, but weren't entirely comfortable in those shoes. And now I see you like, yeah, that's my band, you know? 
Um, it, can you talk about the the changes that were occurring and and was this where was this in relation to your your getting your degree? Yeah, for sure. So I I got my degree about a year into Blue Spruce formally existing as a band, and I stayed. Uh, I, I worked out a, a, an arrangement with the director of the Sonic Arts program where uh, he would give me continued access to the studios that they had there in exchange for offering tours of, of the program. Ah. As somebody who loved the program so much and had gotten so much out of it, I made a very good tour guide. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so I, w- I was able to have continued access and was able to continue recording things with, with, my, other, with my bandmates there. Um, even after I had formally graduated from the program. Nice. Um, so, you know, our first year, uh, of, of playing, we, um, you know, we got through a lot. We started from very small gigs, got to, got to larger gigs. Thankfully there was some overlap. I knew people from the other bands I was in that booked shows. So I was, I was able to book a lot of shows through, through a lot of that. Um, and, uh, the, the truth of the matter is, is that I never... I never got much more comfortable on the stage. Uh, I just pretended. I, I was very good at. I, I I became better at pretending to be comfortable on the mm-hmm. stage, and you know, a, a lot of the time I still play with my eyes closed. If I'm not if I'm not careful, if I'm not consciously paying attention, I drift naturally toward that. Because if I make eye contact with people in the audience, all of a sudden my my hands stop working. I forget what I'm doing. And I and and I'll 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 stop. So um, and somewhere along the line, the sunglasses became a part. Yeah, and yeah. I, I don't know about for the band showed, but certainly for your work at Word Up. Yeah, no. I mean, it 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 it's it stayed with. Uh, I I just put them on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I thought we were comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the the sunglasses came about uh, uh, thanks to actually my wife. Uh, we started. Uh, dating the first year that Blue Spruce became a band, and uh, within a year we we got married. At the time, she was working at a uh, an optical place, oh. and so she she noticed that a lot of the time I was I was squinting in in the sunlight, and uh, she was like, "I think you need sunglasses, like a, a, a proper pair of sunglasses." And she got me a a, a pair of of Ray Bans, and I had never thought of it before. And now I wear them all the time because, as it turns out, I'm actually very sensitive to light, and uh, I, I wear them almost any time I go outside now. Uh, and as it translated, it, it turned very well as a way to hide that my eyes were closed when I was on stage. Um, so even if I I made the compromise of I don't mind if I look like a bit of a tool by wearing sunglasses <laughs> indoors, if it means I'm more comfortable, give off the vibe that I'm at, you know that I'm not just introspectively looking inward while I'm on a stage playing outward. Um, and so. and it adds another feather to your cap. You're not only the only musician in New York who doesn't drink or use drugs to excess, but you're the only one who wears sunglasses without a heroin habit. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so so kudos to you, my friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, lo- lo- lots of firsts with the band. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but with Blue Spruce, the one thing that we have been able to do that we haven't been able to do, that I hadn't been able to do with my previous projects is because it was more of a, not a solo project per se, but, but I you were driving the bus. I was driving the bus, um, or the train as it were. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, actually, sorry. <laughs> um, uh, because of that, 
I was able to make a lot of executive decisions about recordings and like, okay, is the bass player ready to play the bass part that I wrote yet? Mm. No. Okay, that's fine. I can still record it and I'll, I'll, I'm fine giving him credit on it. Uh, but you know, but now we have this recording. Now we can put out this recording and not, not let things hold, not let other things hold us back. Mm -hmm. So with Blue Spruce now, we released our first album um, in 2017. Uh, we released our second album in, in 20, 2019 or 2020. Uh, and then we have a smattering of singles in between that have uh, B-sides to them. We have almost 30 songs that we've released compared to first band only had some demos. Second band had four songs on an EP that we released plus a single, five. Now I've released 30 songs that are out there for anybody to listen to. And now it's just a matter, more a matter of, of marketing those songs, which is the the beast that I'm now attempting to <laughs> uh, to um, to slay. Okay, so so how how many years in are, are you on with Blue Spruce? With Blue Spruce, we are in our sixth year now. Nice, man. That's <laughs> nice. It's been it's been a minute, and uh, the the band members have changed out over the years. Everyone except for me has has, has changed. Mm -hmm. um, we didn't initially have a keyboard player uh, in our first few months, but after after this one guy auditioned to be our new guitar player, didn't didn't get it then, but then sat behind a piano and played along to Flame, one ah. of our songs. I was just like, okay, maybe we need we need a keyboard player. You you can be our <laughs> keyboard player, and uh, he's still the he's still our uh, same keyboard player. Hi, Matt. Uh, <laughs> nice. Um, but everybody else is we've we've had multiple drummers, multiple bass players, multiple lead guitarists. Um, we have a new, uh, drummer who started just this year with us. Uh, mm. hi Kyle. Um, <laughs> uh, now and... you're saying hi to all the people still playing with the band. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Move. yeah, yeah, good no, yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. Keep them happy. Yeah, no, exactly. And what, what's different, uh, musically about this band from previous bands? What's different is that a lot of it is that I kind of have more creative control over, especially the lyrics. I'm the primary person who does all of the singing. Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't used to sing either. I was I was not a singer. In Little Lucy, um, we treated the saxophone more like a vocal part right. a lot of the time. When it wasn't doubling the bass or whatever, it was it was acting more as, as vocals. And I started trying to to write songs with vocals to them. And over the years, I got better at singing. In Real Horror Show, Taylor really encouraged me to, like, no, try... Just sing louder, like you know. You're you're, you're gonna hit the note. You just have to sing it louder, and you're gonna right. be more confident about it. And uh, I, I've never had formal, uh, you know, singing lessons or anything like that. But I've picked up a lot just by doing it more. Um, yeah, There's and, no substitute uh, for going out there and act, just actually doing the work. Yeah, no, exactly. And uh, and and with that, um, I became more comfortable as a as a singer and more comfortable with just singing the, the words that I was writing. Um, and, and control aside, yeah. how would you describe uh, musically how, how is this different aside from personnel and Yeah, I would, say, I would say it's, it's a fair bit darker, um, mm. both, both in the, the subject matter of the lyrics a lot of the time, but then also the music. Just it, For people who know just a little bit about music, it's like there's major keys and there's minor keys. Major keys sound happy, minor keys sound <laughs> sad. Um, I don't think there's a single Blue Spruce song which is in a major key. <laughs> Every song is in a minor key and features uh, dissonant or sad-sounding chord progressions, too. 
to the to the point where uh, some of the other bandmates will will uh, um, uh, give me a little bit of grief because they're like, this song sounds kind of like this song. I'm like, yeah, I know. It also sounds kind of like this one and this one. I I know that there's a there's a bit of a sound going on, right. but uh, but it you know there's there's a certain level of consistency to that, and I do try to vary some things throughout. But other times it'll be like, oh, this is going to be a song kind of like this one, or like uh, think of this song as like a, another version of of this one. And mm-hmm. I'm okay with that because when I listen to music, I like to listen to the same thing over and over again. So mm-hmm. there's there's an element of like, okay, I'm technically listening to a different song, but there's you know similar similar vibes or similar. Uh, feeling or expression to it so um but it's definitely darker feels a little bit more middle of the road uh indie slash alternative rock is what i kind of classify it as very guitar driven and a lot less saxophone over time interestingly mm-hmm. um i reached a certain point r- really little lucy i think was the highlight of of my sax playing because with real horror show there was less of the of the challenge of okay I, I need to try to write something better or something more complex but whatever I was writing just was was okay um, for for real horror show a lot of the time it felt and that sort of remained true for for uh, when I would play things with with other groups outside it was just like okay you're gonna play saxophone I would play something and they'd be like thumbs up awesome. Perfect. <laughs> there wasn't that that push for me to get better necessarily, better right, at, my, at right. my craft, at my instrument, and I enjoyed instead getting that challenge from uh, from playing guitar and singing or playing bass and and singing, and so I really kind of moved more in that direction over time. So that's the other way musically that Blue Spruce is definitely different is there's there's less saxophone a lot of the time. Well, I, I, before we wrap, I, yeah. I, I want to ask you a couple of things. First mm-hmm. of all, uh, as far as uh, the band is concerned, you know, where we're, I don't like people who say, oh, we're out of pandemic or we're coming out of pandemic. We're getting more back out there now, whatever. Yeah. Um, uh, what's going on with the band now? Are you, are you looking towards more in-person shows again? or Definitely. That's I, I really want to get back to that again. As much as they still scare me, um, you know, Blue Spruce has had some really wonderful show opportunities in the past. The biggest show we ever played was one at Gramercy Theater. It was wonderful having so much space on stage. Oh, that must you know? be amazing. It was yeah. it was great. And I bought my uh, my guitar amp that I that I have now specifically for that show because I didn't have an amp that I thought would be big enough to be able to project the sound. So I I, I bought this amp. And I'm like, I, I hope it's loud enough. I hope I didn't, I shouldn't have gotten the, the, the model that was, you know, next up. I had the volume set to four and they were telling me to turn it down a little bit. Because it was loud <laughs> enough. So I'm like, okay. But it goes to levy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, and it needs more cowbell. But, um, <laughs> but the. Uh, oh, it need more cowbell. Yeah. But this amp, you know, it, it's it's all I really need, and which which I'm really happy about. So I can use it for. for and now you want an excuse to go out and break it out more often. Exactly. So, um, <laughs> do you have anything presently scheduled? Uh, Show wise, no, because we're we're currently on the hunt for a for a lead guitar player. If you're a lead guitar player, my number is. No, <laughs> um, <laughs> we're we're looking for a lead. You guitar can find player. us on on social media. Yeah, yeah, very very easy. Notice how I insinuated myself into the band, but yeah, if you get the message to me, I'll get it to Miles. Yeah, or yeah, 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 yeah. Reach out to Miles directly. Exactly, but uh, so we we haven't been doing as many shows because of that. Mm-hmm. Okay, do you have anything currently uh, listed for that, or are you waiting to get the guitar? 
waiting to <laughs> waiting to get the guitar for the most part. We're waiting for guitar. Waiting for guitar. Yeah, yeah. We're 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 doing rehearsals and stuff in the meantime, but just working on on writing new stuff. We we have a a new EP that's going to be coming out pretty soon. The Time EP. Uh, all the songs on it are about time, the passing of time, how much that sucks mostly. Uh, and then we also have another album that's in the works, which is a little bit more focused on themes of, of nightlife and uh, bar crawl culture and uh, dating scene and all, all the sorts of things that I don't really like about it. <laughs> um, but uh, but it's, uh, I got a whole album's worth of material out of it, so I'm, I'm happy about that. <laughs> all right. Well, it, we, we can't wrap the discussion without talking about a special project. You know, we, we, we know what's happened with you musically since you got out of school, uh, you're also uh, putting the degree to practical uh, practical effect right now, right? Yes, I am. Uh, I was doing a lot of stuff just out of my my uh, my living room or my bedroom at the time, as it you know, as it were, um, in terms of recording. Uh, but finally, I'm uh, I've kind of let myself uh, free, and I'm I'm building a recording studio uh, of of my very own uh, where. I'll be able to record and uh, rehearse and produce all of all of my music myself, but also for other people too, because um, that's one thing that I've always enjoyed. In addition to making my own music, is uh, is helping people produce produce theirs. Because when I was starting out working on these demos, I would have loved to have somebody who knew what to do helping me out. I want to be able to be that for other people too, or or for other bands that have all this material that they're sitting on that they just can't take to the next level because they don't know the right person or they don't have the money to, uh, because footing the bill for recording an album, that's, that's something that I've managed to skirt by because mm -hmm. of my particular skill set. But a lot of people don't have a person in the band who just happens to be an audio engineer. And I want to be, uh, I, I want to be able to be that person for, uh, for another band to be the, the George Martin of somebody else's Beatles, um, as it, as it were, cause I know how much he did production wise for them. I want to be able to do that for other people. And I have done it for, for a, a, a handful of other bands and they, you actually produced the only existing summer replacement single. That's true. That is true. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, and and I I love producing things for for other musicians and for other bands, solo artists, you know, whatever the case may be. The thing that I've lacked for a long time is a proper space to do that, uh, especially when it comes to drums. In New York City, you can't just you know put a drum kit in your living room and and uh, set a bunch of mics around it and go and go to town because <laughs> you're you're gonna get a noise complaint in uh, about two two minutes. Toy <laughs> heads. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've been I've been building this uh, recording studio from scratch in a in a, uh, a commercial building in Long Island City. I have never done anything in construction before, but once again, it goes back to the theme of wanting to create something, creating <laughs> right. things. So I've I've learned how to should have gotten that engineering degree. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, let, let, let me ask you: Can you tell us what the name of the studio is, and do you have a target date for opening? So the the name of the studio is. Fittingly, staying on brand, Blue Spruce Audio Studio. I, I, I don't want to give a date for when it's uh, for when it's set to open because I've I've already pushed that data a handful of times. But I'll will say this: uh, this weekend I'm planning on on getting the paint and Ooh. and some glue, and we're gonna we're gonna start painting some ceilings and walls. All right, that's that's a step. So um, if people want to find out more about the studio 
or if they want to find out more about the music or find out more about you, where can they go for these things? Best place is probably uh, the, the band website, bluespruceNYC.com. Uh, we've got music there. A uh, link to all of our other socials is there. And uh, there's a way to contact us through through there also, which is an email directly to me. It's the best way. BlueSpruceNYC.com. Awesomeness. And they, they can find everything there. They can find everything you need. Uh, or, or just search my name, Miles Blue Spruce. I, there's not a lot of uh, <laughs> people with my name out there. So. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, all those fake accounts trying to bite off of you. <laughs> but, hey, dude, uh, thanks so much for spending some time with us. I really enjoyed talking with you. Yeah, great. I, I'm so glad to, glad to be on here and, and share some of this. A lot of this stuff I haven't thought about in a, in a, in a while, so it's, it's, uh, it's great to be able to share it. Thank you. All right, that was our conversation with Miles Blue Spruce. I love this guy. I love working with him, and I love his music. And you will, too. If you don't already, please remember to keep your eyes out for the Blue Spruce uh, EP, the Time EP, it's called uh, to be called. There's also a lot of music of them out there right now, so you can dig on that and catch up on that before the new one comes out. There'll be a video with the new one. There are other videos out there as well. If you're a musician, keep an eye out for the opening of Blue Spruce Audio Studios. Uh, so uh, thanks again for being here. I uh, want to uh, thank the whole crew, uh, producer Gary Hardcastle, uh, <laughs> sound engineer, additional sound engineer, Miles Blue Spruce, our production assistant, Stanley Recio, and our production assistant, assistant, Jeremy Puello. When do we get paid? So uh, we love these guys and uh, hope y'all will return. He's not here to complain about not getting paid, but our, our theme music, written and performed by the one and only King of the Hill, Courtney Hill. All right, so that's all the credits. He'll send me an email asking about getting paid. We're going to leave you today. Uh, <laughs> so this is great. So so he, he's a sound engineer. He was our guest. And we're going to leave you with some music from him. This is uh, music from the band Blue Spruce. The song is called Flame. It's one of my favorites of theirs, and I think y'all enjoy it. Uh, thanks. See you again next time. Until then, my name is Eric Vetter. I love you all.
Sirens drew in ships And it's strange for all the 